Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the Bean for Friday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Thursday. Uh, is David Seymour Prime Minister material? That's what Marcus is going to be asking shortly. Hope I haven't given too much away there. Uh, with uh, England and the UK uh, reopening uh, very shortly, about 10 days' time, uh, it'll be interesting to watch what happens there, won't it? Uh, what was interesting to watch yesterday was the Euro 70 semi-final, and they finally got through to a final, which is the first time that's happened for a while. And then we've got a butterfly on the road in Nelson. Let's see if we can figure out why that's news. But before any of that, uh, the skills shortage isn't going away. Uh, we need workers now. Even if Treasury's forecasts are miles out, we all intuitively know that the money we're borrowing to keep New Zealand afloat has to be paid back. And it has to be paid back by people who generate income, not people who suck it out of the system. And these people can only generate income if their businesses are productive. And if they can't get the workers they need to grow their businesses, they will become less productive. And there will be less money to pay pensions, pay civil servants, pay back our debt. We do not have to have wholesale, holus bolus immigration, allowing every man and his dog to come into the country, buy up our housing stock and bugger off, never to live here again. We don't want those sorts of people. But we do want people from anywhere in the world who want to live here, who want to have a stake in the community, who want to raise their families, who want to add their skills to New Zealand's skill set so New Zealand Inc. can grow and prosper. Surely, we can put boundaries around who comes into the country. Just to shut up shop and close New Zealand for business spells its inevitable demise. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it's a it's a um, measure of how self-sustaining we are. It's like that, remember that program with Richard Bryars, The Good Life, where you know, they would try to grow all their own food and is it like that? No, it's not really like that, is it? And also, you don't know what I'm talking about because I'm 100 years old and you're young and hip. Um, if you are young and hip, are you voting for David Seymour? I mean, we all know that David Seymour's a bit of a character, but would anyone ever see him as being prime ministerial? Because I've often said, funnily enough, and you might disagree with me on this, funnily enough, the way our democracy works with the roles and the leadership, leadership spills and stuff like that, we do seem to get the most competent and able people within the parties into the position as Prime Minister. And I guess we go back a Dern, Key, Clark, Bolger, Longy. And I'm not quite sure if they become good and grow into the role. I suspect it's not. I suspect the cream rises. But, um, you know, and obviously the politicians are different if you compare Key and Adern, but certainly, um, and Clark and Bulger, but they both, or they all, perhaps not so much Bulger, but they all seem to be very good communicators, very good managers. And had the ability to make the job look reasonably effortless. 
I suppose what you'd uh, the expression you'd go to would be natural leaders. Don't know why he felt the need to exclude uh, Jim Bolger from that list. I always admired the way that he would morph into the accent of whatever country he was visiting. I thought that was very, which a very good leadership. Um, maybe that was just me. That's something I look for somebody for in somebody. Um, I always admire the ability to do accents. Um, I mean, Mike Hosking, for example, he does one. He does a Pakistani accent. doesn't matter what accent he's trying to do. It comes out as a Pakistani person. Often when he's um, doing one of the countries in the United Kingdom, it comes out as Pakistani as well, which is interesting. Uh, mind you, they are about to reopen, um, and you can travel to and from from any country, just about. Generally, I'm a fan of this approach of personal responsibility and letting people live their lives, but then again... I'm someone who's probably not inclined to be one of the people who will go nuts flouting the rules. But, you know, how do you account for the people who do take crazy risks and will flout their newfound freedom? And then you've got, of course, the potential conflict of those who are sensible versus those who are not. Are people going to start, you know, ganging up on each other and taking matters into their own hands if they feel someone isn't standing far enough away from them or hasn't coughed into their elbow? I mean, what then? It'll be an interesting experiment, and I guess the bonus for us, if there is one, of being so far behind everyone else, is that we can look on from a safe distance and watch how this all unfolds. Boris Johnson's asking people to exercise judgment and carefully manage the risk, which sounds good in theory, but you have to be interested in managing risk or responsible enough to exercise judgment in the first place, don't you? which is why I think the world will be watching with interest from July 19th. I also am a fan of personal responsibility. But I do wonder about some of the people you give that personal responsibility to. I mean, with England, I didn't see so much of it yesterday, but when they made it into the semi-final, the Euro semi-final, there were pictures of people in a fan zone who just celebrate the win they literally picked up tables in the fan zone and started hitting each other with them, with tables. I'm just not sure, not everybody's capable of great personal responsibility, that's all I'm saying. I'm sure there was a bit of table hitting going on yesterday, anyway, even though I didn't see it. I'm not a football fan, I don't watch football, I'm, I'm not into it, but I did watch the game this morning. I work with a, a colleague who's a, an Englishman, and uh, he's from Birmingham and Aston Villa and all that sort of stuff. So we had the game on, and I enjoyed it. But what that last caller said, I think he missed the point. The point wasn't whether the uh, laser was a factor in, in the penalty, it was the intent of someone to mess with the game. And so I think he missed the point, regardless of whether it was successful or not. The point was someone's tried to, to destroy or, or alter the outcome of the match. And, and absolutely, whoever it, it was, when they are found, they should be suspended or, in fact, expelled from football forever. Yeah, well, I see somebody, this is the journalist Gareth Davies, he's said that there was booing during the national anthem by some members of the English crowd, um, and then someone's shining a laser pen uh, at Schmeichel as the penalty was taken. Uh, why is it that some England fans never miss a chance to bring shame on the country? Yeah, it's just despicable. And I think what it highlights is how lucky we are in this country with our sport, that it is pretty clean and we haven't had corruption or match-fixing. And in, with rugby in particular, 
any violence happens on the field rather than off the field. I mean, some of the stories I've heard about English football, I mean, you know, goodness me, in terms of the violence between fans. Goodness me, indeed. Well well put, Jackson. Um, it's tricky. I mean, England definitely deserved to win that game in terms of they made more play, looked more likely. It's not quite how football works, though. It's all about being mature and control. And I don't think they deserve that penalty. At the time, I was watching it at the time. And then they, it's so weird that they had the replay, like they went and referred the decision, and they went, oh yeah, no, definitely a penalty, and it definitely wasn't, in my humble opinion. But, I mean, I know. I mean, I have refed a lot of football over the years, but only at very low level, a very low, very amateur level. And most of that was just getting shouted at by people on the sideline. Nobody ever shone a, a laser in my eyes, though, thankfully. Uh, we're going to finish up uh, with the Nelson butterfly. They painted a butterfly on the road in Nelson. I think they did this on purpose. Brian, why did you paint bees? Uh, bees, it's uh, just a piece of uh, road art, uh, part of a wider road safety initiative to sort of make those streets uh, safer for people. Yeah, well, because I see the principal of the local school reckons it's to alert people where the insects are. Are there insects there? Uh, there will be. There was a plan from uh, the school's going to get involved with the planting of a pollinator garden uh, when they go back to school after the holiday break. Yeah, do, do, can you understand that it might be a little confusing to drivers who aren't really n- n- young, used to seeing insects painted on the road? Well, yes, and that's uh, that's part of it. Is, you know, you know, the reaction is not unexpected. We sort of expect when we do something a little bit different, something a little bit innovative, something that people haven't seen before, yeah. that there, there will be a reaction. And um, and it's not unexpected. Uh, we anticipated that. But this is around uh, you know, a conjunction with a whole lot of other road safety measures we are sort of trialling. Yeah. Uh, to make this, it's this, a hell of a lot of money to be wasting on a trial, though, Brian. You've spent seventy-seven thousand council dollars. You could have spent that on something well, else. Well, I think yeah. Well, you could say that, but I think this is about you know safety for the road users um, and safety for children. the road users. Yeah, that includes children uh, getting kids to and from school. What, the elderly. Well, how's that going to work? Are people going to slow down because they see the bees? They are. They are, and it's part of the conjunction because on either side of this piece of road are there some speed humps that were trialled there. Oh yeah. Uh, we've, we've narrowed the road to quite a tight bend that was uh, didn't have a footpath there. We've actually put an access around the outer bend there. So just to be clear, there is a butterfly and some bees. I think that's. It's, I think it's good to finish the week not knowing what's happening. There's often... If I had to choose between being hungry, which is how the podcast often ends, or not having any idea what's going on, I think I'd... Well, it's a hard choice, actually. I'm Glenn ZFB. Uh, that has been News Talk ZFB uh, for Friday for the week. Um, and I'm sure everything will become clear over the weekend. I don't know exactly what's going on on Monday. Yeah, right.